Hello and welcome everyone to the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron White, fresh back on the ground in Seattle, Washington after my trip to the Toronto International Film Festival. You are here for reviews that are simple, short, and spoiler-free, so that's what you're going to get. In this series, I will be speaking about the films that I saw at TIFF 2023. Some of these do not have release dates yet. Others do. I'll let you know when I can what those are. But thank you for coming along for this journey. I hope that I can introduce you to some interesting and exciting new films to keep your eye out for. So without further ado, let's get into the reviews. All right, for this episode, I am going to be talking about two of our prime Best International Film Oscar contenders. Both of these movies premiered at this year's Cannes Film Festival, and I was lucky enough to see them back-to-back at TIFF. Actually, these were my first two movies of the festival. There was a press run to be able to get in both of them, and both of these theaters actually filled up and people were not able to get in. So I counted myself very lucky to be able to see them both that first morning. Now, if you're not aware, Anatomy of a Fall won the Palme d'Or. Many people believe it should have gone to Jonathan Glazer's The Zone of Interest. I'm going to give you my thoughts on these two films and let you know where I stand by the end of this episode. So to start off, we'll talk about Anatomy of a Fall. So to start off, we'll talk about Anatomy of a Fall, being distributed by Neon. It stars Sandra Huller, Swan Arlaud, Milo Machado Grainer, Antoine Reinartz, Samuel Theus, Jenny Beth, Sadia Bintaib, Camille Rutherford, Anne Rotker, and Sophie Villiers. It is directed by Justine Triette, and written by Justine Triette and Arthur Harari. Cinematography is by Simon Bofils, and it is edited by Laurent Seneschal. It runs 150 minutes and is rated R for some language, sexual references, and violent images. It is in French, English, and German. What's it about? A woman is suspected of her husband's murder, and their blind son faces a moral dilemma as the sole witness. Now, Anatomy of a Fall is primarily a courtroom drama, a lengthy one at that, as you can see, running in two and a half strong hours. The first part of the film sets up the accident. Sandra Huller plays a novelist. Uh, we first meet her in the middle of an interview. Her husband starts playing loud music from upstairs while he is working to the extent that it interrupts her ability to conduct the interview, and things go awry from there. She has to cut it short, and very shortly after that, her son is out on a walk, and we learn that his father has fallen to his death from outside of what is believed to be an attic window. Sandra Huller's character is accused of the murder, as there is evidence that it could have been an accident, but it also could have been on purpose. And from that point forward, this becomes a courtroom drama. She is confined to home arrest because she is not a threat, and she still needs to 
take care of her son who is visually impaired. The strengths of this movie are definitely in Sandra Huller's uh, emotionally complex performance. Being a wife accused of murder is not necessarily an easy character arc to play, especially for someone who, over the course of the trial, begins to have pieces of her relationship exposed. It's a pretty harrowing situation because her son is in the courtroom and then becomes privy to all of this private information about the relationship between his mother and his father. And I think that the the psychological toll that this film shows of debating what you believe to be your truth without having any proof to put forth can be absolutely devastating on a person. One of the better performances in the film also comes from the actor who plays Daniel, the young son. This is a character who is really struggling. He has recently lost his father, and now he faces losing his mother for the rest of his life. And he's got a court-appointed ward of the sorts that has to go around with him everywhere that he goes. The person requires to be in the room anytime his mother is speaking to him to make sure she's not influencing his eventual testimony. It's a tricky situation and one that regardless of how you end up feeling about the actual murder itself and who may or may not have committed it, you can't help but feel a little bit of empathy for what this family is going through. Now, the mystery itself, I feel, is a bit conventional and a little less exciting than I might have expected for something that was this much of an awards contender. It can feel like a very high-quality Law & Order episode at times. But that being said, the question of whether this was an accidental or deliberate act of the fall does allow for some awesome kind of suppositional theorizing that takes place in the court. It's really cool to see how other countries run their courtrooms, too. It's not like it is here in America where one person goes up on the stand and that's the only time they can talk. The defendant in this case speaks frequently, and there's a lot of back and forth while different witnesses are on the stand, and I really enjoyed the prosecuting attorney as well. Um, He has a lot of charisma, and frankly, he makes his case extremely well over and over and over. And another strength is the courtroom camera work. It brilliantly shifts perspective frequently to present a variety of different character point of views from how someone is observing what is taking place in the courtroom or a specific testimony. I thought that was really emotionally effective and helped to make the film somewhat more visually interesting when it really is just a straight drama. And for a long movie, that can tend to wear you down and have your both interest and your attention start to wane a little bit. I do think that the story is drawn out a little bit too much to its detriment. And the ending is ambiguous in a way that left me personally feeling unsatisfied. I don't mind ambiguity 
in stories, but for this particular one, I felt like I really needed more resolution in order to even really form an opinion for how I felt about these characters and how they were going to proceed with the rest of their lives. There's also one very hard-to-watch scene for dog lovers where a dog gets drugged and you think the dog's going to die. He doesn't. Spoiler alert, the dog lives. This is an important note here, but it's filmed in a way that had me feeling a lot of anxiety. I was missing my dogs back home, thinking about them constantly, and that stuck with me as something that even weeks later I can feel kind of ingrained in my brain. And so I feel like it's worth mentioning that if you have a problem with seeing animals even fictionally go through some sort of what you might consider abuse, that could be a problem for a scene or two here in this film. Overall, though, really, really good picture. I love a good courtroom drama, and this is an absolutely solid one, but I'm not really sure how this won the Palm d'Or. So really good movie, but not a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination. Neon will be giving Anatomy of a Fall a limited theatrical release beginning on October 13th, so keep an eye out for whether or not it's coming to your city. All right, next up is The Zone of Interest from A24. It also stars Sandra Huller, as well as Christian Friedel. It is written and directed by Jonathan Glazer and based on The Zone of Interest by Martine Amis. Cinematography is by Lucas Zhao. It is edited by Paul Watts. And music is by Micah Levi. It runs 106 minutes and is primarily in the language of German. What's it about? The Commandant of Auschwitz, Rudolf Host, and his wife Hedwig strive to build a dream life for their family in a house and garden next to the camp. The Zone of Interest is a unique and absolutely chilling look at the Holocaust from the perspective of a German military family who thinks absolutely nothing of the atrocities that are taking place just a mere wall away from their idyllic life. We watch as they enjoy amenities such as a swimming pool, a greenhouse, multiple servants, parties, all while just being separated from this concentration camp by a little bit of stone. The result is a masterful juxtaposition between the comforts that this family lives with and the absolute horror that is taking place off screen at all times, right there beside them. And yet, they're maybe not oblivious to it, but they are unconcerned in a way that really is troublesome. The performances here are phenomenal. Uh, Sandra Huller, really good in Anatomy of a Fall, maybe better in the zone of interest, even though it's a supporting performance. She is cold. She is unwaveringly committed to retaining this lifestyle that she has built for herself, this relaxed world in which 
She has everything she could ask for. And yet what we constantly hear through powerful and very upsetting sound design, something that both Micah Levi and Glazer have collaborated with before to strong effect. This is, this is something that Glazer does really, really well all the time. You will hear the sounds of Auschwitz in the background. You hear the fires going off. You hear firing squads. You hear screams. It's really hard to watch and to listen to because while you're hearing those horrible things, you're watching a family eat and be joyful and you know, complain about little minor things like water in the hallway of their house. This is something you've never seen before. And I don't know that we will ever see something quite like it again. As good as Hula is as the commandant's selfish and callous wife, Christian Friedel, as Rudolph Haas himself, is equally fantastic. I can't imagine how hard it would be to even play a character of this nature and to do it so perfectly well. It's hard to play evil in a way that is so subtle, so unflinching, not over-the-top bombastic, because that's not how he is. He is thinking of his duty at Auschwitz as an opportunity for him to rise through the ranks of the German military. He has these big ideas about concentration camps and how to make them more efficient at what their goal is. And he's good at that. And it allows him promotions and all of these wonderful accolades and amenities for this house that he is in. Ultimately, it ends up taking him away from the house to another location. And I think the film suffers a bit when that happens. It's a little bit diminished from that point forward. But otherwise, the film is so strong, especially when it's focused in on the house. I think there's probably a masterpiece of a short film here that just takes place at the house and doesn't add anything else. That being said, this movie does build to an incredibly haunting ending. It also perhaps invites us to have a bit of empathy for the Commandant at one point that I'm not sure is completely earned. There's the briefest of scenes in which his character sort of maybe reflects on what he is doing, and I don't feel that the film shows us any sort of development that would lead us to believe that we he would have this reaction. So that didn't quite work for me, despite the memorable nature of the way that this film ends overall. So it's still effective, but I think it could have been just a little bit tighter at the end because of how they handled the Commandant's uh, last moments. Now, if you've seen a Jonathan Glazer movie before, you know that he brings a level of like weirdness and style to his film. His approach here is way more restrained than you've probably ever seen him before. 
there are a few scenes that take place in an infrared camera kind of viewpoint that, while I think they are meaningful and appropriate for conveying a different type of character that is involved in this world that surrounds the, the house next to Auschwitz, the infrared nature of it almost made it a little more confusing to follow and was kind of unnecessary. It looks cool, but doesn't really need to be there. And then there's a couple of moments where the screen just like kind of randomly goes completely into one single color for a series of seconds, like just a red background and nothing else. And, and those are like the glazier touches that I, I don't find any value in personally. I, I was just grateful that he didn't do it a whole lot. But the zone of interest really is, it's an unforgettable experience. Unlike anything that you've ever seen before, it gets under the skin, but intended, and it simply is not going to leave your thoughts anytime soon. I personally will always applaud a very big swing and a filmmaker that tries to do something that is special, even if it doesn't all work exactly as well as they may have envisioned or wanted, and that's how I feel about The Zone of Interest. It's a movie that I probably will never watch again, and that is even hard to recommend to people because you've got to come into it with an understanding of what you're going to see and how to process what you're going to deal with coming out of it. But the perspective here and the realistic nature of what it shows us that so many people went about their lives just completely without thinking about what was happening to the Jewish population around them. They just went about their day-to-day -day business. They lived their entire lives. It never affected them one bit, even though so close by, people were dying. That is a thing that happens. And to see it coming from someone who was part of that murderous, awful event in history, that was so responsible for it, and yet it didn't even seem hardly to register to them because they only thought about themselves. They truly believed that much that the Jewish people did not deserve to exist. It's, man, something that is hard to reckon with and even to remember that this is something that took place in history, something this evil could happen. And all you can do is watch this and just continue to hope and pray that it, nothing like this is ever allowed to take place again. The Zone of Interest will be in theaters on December the 8th. And after seeing both of these films, I really don't know how The Zone of Interest didn't win the Palme d'Or. Compared to Anatomy, I feel like there's a strong difference here. Both are very strongly made films of high quality in all regards, but The Zone of Interest is a special movie, and Anatomy is just a very good one. Well, that's it for this episode of Feelin' Film Podcast. These TIFF reviews, I hope you're enjoying them. There are plenty more where this came from. If you enjoy the channel, please like, subscribe, follow us, listen, watch, share, all that stuff, and seek me out on social media. Let me know what you think of the reviews, what you think about the films once you do get a chance to see them, what are you excited for, what did I turn you away from, any of that stuff. I love to hear from you. 
It's one of my favorite parts about what I do. I'll be back with more soon as usual. In the meantime, keep watching and keep feeling filmed.